Max White, everyone. See something funny. It wasn't funny! I guess I'll just call it Max White Presents. I guess it's decent. Yeah, Max White Presents will work. Hey everyone, it's uh, Max White Presents. Max White here with my very special guest, Mr. Uh, Paul Odo. Mm -hmm. How's it going, Paul? Very good. Yourself? I'm doing well, sir. Thanks so much for coming by the Tender Trap where we're uh, recording this. Happy to. I, uh, what do you think of the smell of the place? You like it? It smells like a bar. Yeah, it's a bar. You can tell lots of uh, bad, poor choices have been made here. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, worked in places that smell like this a lot. It's like you can never quite get the, the beer throw up blood combination out of the wood grain and it just stays there. You think like every dad worries about their daughter hanging out in a place like this when they're older. Oh it's, yeah. It comes with that smell. Yeah, it's, yeah. This would be like the vision I'd have when the doctor told me I was having a girl. <laughs> just like, oh geez. Just I'd immediately cut to this. Like this is where this is where I'll just be haunted. It's like 18 years from now, I'm gonna have to be pulling her out of here. Yeah. She's gonna be in a leather jacket. Yeah, at, at best case scenario. Yeah, that's good. All right, so Paul, I met you because you're a comic, mm -hmm, right? You're a featured mm -hmm. UCB comic mm -hmm. over there. You're also uh, an improviser, is that saying it right? Yeah, yeah, I do that. Actor, and you're a recently published author. Yeah, well, self-published, but self -published, yes. Self-published, cool. Yeah, yeah. Now, please tell us about, because you released a special or a comedy album, mm -hmm. and then you did it along with your book, is that correct? Yeah, I did. Please and tell us about that first. Well, that was, um, it was my first album and my first book, and they had always been sort of just in the works, kicking around in my head, and I, I waited for several years before I released my first comedy album because I just wanted to make sure that I was happy with all of it, yeah, and that it, it could, you know, be something that I would be proud to have for posterity. Uh, but the um, and the book was just sort of another project that I was thinking about doing and collect it, because it's a lot of illustrations and little short stories. It's a bathroom book, basically. It's something you just kind of pick up and it's goofy anywhere. It's like, now, you can... Now, with the album, did you do an hour? Uh-huh. And now, where, where did you do that hour at? In Austin, Texas. Okay, now, are the, you from there? Or? No, I'm from Houston, Texas. Okay. But uh, I like Austin a lot. Yeah, I heard it's great. It's a great great comedy town. It's got a lot of a lot of stuff going on. And the, the room there, the Velveeta room, is on 6th Street. And I have always just liked performing there. It's one of the first places I really ate shit, <laughs> and uh, and it's kind of a tough room. Yeah, um, it's very long and narrow, and they do a lot of barking to get people in off of Sixth Street. And oh, wow. Sixth Street is like a crazy uh, drag that people. That's like the main. I've never been to Austin, but that's the main drag. Correct? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like a barking. And for those that don't know, barking is basically when people stand out in front of comedy spots and they say, "Hey, do you want to come see comedy?" Mm -hmm. And uh, basically, they're. It, it serves its purpose here in New York and elsewhere too. Yeah. But the people that come in, basically, uh, they're going to be your drunker, mm -hmm. your uh, less comedy, uh, high intellect. Sometimes wild, it's a wild card. It's uh, you never know what you're going to get. Now, exactly. what, what's your thoughts on those rooms, though? Do you like those hard rooms? Or? Uh, yeah, I do. Um, I think you should be able to play anything, and those are probably the highest uh, bar as far as that goes. Aside from an open mic in New York City, the open mic in New York City is the worst situation to do comedy in. And then after that, it's barked rooms, things like that. It's I a think. weird hierarchy. Like once you know you're, um, you're getting somewhere when you graduate from the really bad open mics mm -hmm. to the barked in showcases. Yeah, yeah. And it is a step up just in the sense that people will actually laugh. Yeah. 
even though they don't know you or whatever. You know what's yeah. weird though is because I met you at your mic at UCB, which is tonight, which I'm mm-hmm. I'm hosting that tonight. Yeah, yeah. And so, but that's a great mic. That's it is. Uh, we've cultivated it that way. Okay, but it, wasn't, it didn't no. start that way. No, no, no. I think most most mics, and I think the reason they they are so difficult here in New York is that it's it's just a cattle call type situation. Nobody gives a shit. And yeah. the people running the mic don't care. They're angry that they have to run a mic and they're using it as sort of a weird networking thing to try to, you know, just sort of be in it and of it and do a thing, but they just kind of, they resent the idea of doing a mic. Definitely. And I've always thought that they're, that's the most fun. To me, a mo- open mic is the, is, is the core structure of doing stand-up comedy. And so, in Houston, where I came from, where I started, we had a fantastic open mic. It was one of the best in the whole country at a place called The Laugh Stop, which is now closed down. But it was a legendary club, and they had a Monday night open mic, and it was just an all-night mic, went from like 6 o'clock in the evening all the way to 1 or 2 at night, and it was just a marathon. And people came, like audience members, regular audience members, knew to come there because it was a fun, cheap thing to go do on a Monday night, and it was just a great proving ground and a legit like just a show it was a show it wasn't just a mic wow so now, what was that like going from that for just like a cultivated like really high-end open mic scene and mm-hmm. comedy scene overall mm-hmm. to new york so day one you're here and you deal with the you know the cell phone faces and yeah everything well, going on it was a weird adjustment for me because i um i had it, and it took me years to understand that you have to completely reorganize in your mind what's going on because I, I kept trying to find a good open mic that I would go to so I could practice and and you know f- sort of use that as a base of operations and work and write and, and you know mingle with people and all that but because there's a million of them and they're always popping up and going away whack-a-mole style you never yeah. know where it's going to be um, that made it very frustrating and uh, so in a way, I, I just had to, I had to get unspoiled, because I was very spoiled. Okay. Um, from coming from a, a, a very good comedy town. Yeah. And it's still a good comedy town, but that club left a void, okay. and so now they all kind of do their own little pop-up shows down there, and there's great comics, but that's why so much of the scene, I think, has moved to Austin, in Texas, just between those two cities. Okay, now, what? so you get here, you, you're kind of doing the whack-a-mole of a mic scene, and then mm-hmm. there's this decision you make where you're like, I'm gonna start my own, I'm gonna cultivate this. That happened several years later. The, okay. the, the way that the open mic got started at UCB is I was doing UCB, um, ever since I've begin, ever since I've been in New York, I've been sort of just, I took the classes, and then I was interning, and doing shows, and always being in it and of it and around it, and I, helped open UCB East okay the bar and everything like that and was one of the bartenders and was just there with all my friends and we were running the place and the artistic director at the time Nate Dern um, we just sort of started becoming buddies and he wanted to start a mic so he asked me if I wanted to do it me and Sarah Talamash and him the the three of us started it up and that uh, was just a really fun mic. We did it in the bar back then, okay. not in the showroom. Yeah. And when it was in the bar, it was really cr- like just sort of, uh, it w- we were cultivating that old thing from me and Sarah, both from Houston. Okay. And so we were trying to bring back a positive energy 
where we try to get everybody up, we try to give them a decent amount of time. We wouldn't let anybody just come in and crash the mic. Okay. So we did no favors for anybody. That's right. Awesome. To keep it super, super fair. Just because that was one of the first things that really pissed me off about going to mics here is I'd see all the favors that everybody did each other. Yeah. And people would just come in, they'd bump everybody, and it's like it's a fucking mic. Yeah. That's it's, you it's gotta, a weird thing to like like a pissing contest. Why yeah, is it a mic? Because we're exactly. all trying to do the same thing. Now, isn't it interesting though that it's like uh, you can? It's like you'd rather be a product of your environment or the environment be a product of you. Like the second you made the decision to be like, we're gonna make a positive mic mm-hmm. and the host, because you guys are always and now it's you and Brandon Scott Wolf who mm-hmm. hosts the UCB one. You're always positive. That's not like I, I met you when I first met you guys. Mm-hmm. And the best thing you guys always say is, listen, it does not matter. Don't yeah. think. That like this is a make or break audition because a lot of people put unfair pressure on themselves, completely, especially in New York City when they're in a showroom at UCB or anywhere. Yeah, I just wish somebody would have said that shit to me yeah. when I first started hitting mics here. I was like, look, this is not. There's no agents in the audience. None of us are going to judge you based on your performance at the open mic. It's just we're throwing shit out. We're trying things, and that's you got to have a safe space to fail. And, and that's what the mics have always been to me, is it's a safe space to just try some shit. If it doesn't work, whatever, you move on. Yeah, just you get something, shelf it, yeah. try something new. It's like public writing. Yeah. You're just working in public. And that's one of the good and bad things about doing stand-up in my mind, is yeah. that it's, it's one of those weird art forms that you can't do by yourself. It's and you, so weird. You have to do it with other people, which kind of sucks because most types of art it's an isolation thing, and I still think stand-up is an isolated endeavor, but you have to, it's like you have to practice with a crap, with a group. You can't just do it in front of a mirror. It's, it doesn't work. It's weird that way, too. Now, like, with your guys' mic, you're only doing, like, uh, two to three minutes, depending on it, because you, yeah, get, you get an hour there, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's interesting, because people that I say, like, oh, you only get two or three minutes, mm-hmm. if you can't cultivate a laugh in two or three minutes, it's interesting that people think they can do it in five. Sure, yeah. I mean, I... I I have a, a mixed opinion about the whole two to three minutes thing. Okay. It drives me crazy that we can't give people more time. Yeah. But at the same time, I would. It, people have explained to me that they would rather go up as opposed to having longer sets. Okay. That and you know, sense. and I get it. To me, I, I do kind of longer stuff. Okay. So short mics are tough for me. But you're right. I think you, you definitely have a great point as far as like you should get to it. That's kind of what New York teaches you, yeah. I think, as a comedian, is Rip to get the to the point. Yeah. When I moved here, I honestly thought I had like 20, 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then within like a month, you're just like, I think I've got four. Sure. <laughs> I've got three or four. Sure, yeah. yeah. Four New York minutes. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah. amazing how that kind of translates over. Do you have the same issue when you got here? Uh, yeah, a little. I've never, I've always been very stubborn and kept to my long style. Yeah. But I will sometimes just throw out a bunch of little things yeah. knowing that it's, you know, it's the style here. Or it, it's all you can do sometimes. Because a lot of my bits are like six, seven minutes long. So I can only do like a part of it. Okay. You know? Yeah. So yeah. when yeah. you first started, did you, were you, I was like, I'm a storyteller mm-hmm. uh, as well. Like I try to do other stuff. I'm not a one-liner person. I'm yeah. just not, it's just not in my DNA. I think it's amazing someone that can even do five minutes let alone an hour of one-liners memory alone yeah but is that like have you always started storytelling wise or i mean and then just basically gotten better at it it's always been my my way of telling doing comedy is that you know stand-up at least is just an investment of time 
you know, and the payoff is the rolling momentum when you get to the callbacks and you get to the the connections of things. Yeah. And that's that's just what I like to laugh at. And that's not to say that you can't get something out real quick. It's just not how I've always worked. Sure. Same type of thing that you were saying. It's um it's just not how I'm, I'm wired. How does that transfer over to the writing process with you? Um that actually how do you mean as far as In terms like, of like if you, now are you are you like a sit down I'm gonna write today type thing? I used to be. Okay. But now I, I mostly write on stage. Okay. So I'll mostly just take an idea and just try to do it on stage and record it and then listen to it and try to eliminate things or whatever in the next you know time I go on stage or whatever but okay. I, I haven't written much now like in terms of people that you hang out with like other than comics wise like do you find yourself because you are like uh, I mean it's safe to call an improviser an actor right? mm-hmm. you're an actor yeah by you, default yeah and so but then you're also like an illustrator and I believe you, you paint too right mm-hmm. you, so and do you find yourself like, hanging around other creatives like that helps you to come back to comedy or is there like a certain kind of okay. I, I would say I mean the the thing I do most with my time now is I do carpentry. I'm a furniture maker. Okay. And so I work in the Bronx at a furniture making company and, and I, uh, we do custom things like that. And that's definitely an influence in my creativity. I have, and, <laughs> and this sucks to, to be this way, but I'm kind of a, a reclusive type of person. I'm super socially awkward okay. when it comes to comedy at least and the arts in general. I don't know why. I've just I've got a problem being around it okay. somehow, um, and so I'm trying to get over that. But uh, the more I hang around comedians, the less I want to do comedy, <laughs> uh, which is very unfortunate. It feels it's like I, I'm not a windsurfer, but I feel like there's got to be a lot of windsurfers like that. They're like, I love the actual act. I guess so. Yeah. I don't want to go to a bar and talk about it. Sure, yeah, that's interesting. But the funny thing is, is most of the people that I chat with, other comics. They feel the exact same way. Yeah. They're like, oh, man, I can't be around this shit either. So it's, it's funny. It's like everybody's exhausted and uh, projecting their own, you know, insecurities or, or uh, uh, awkwardness onto what may or may not even be there. It's just you get into a couple of situations where people are trying to, like, be competitively funny in a social scene. And you're like, fuck this. Yeah. I don't want to just struggle for conversation time yeah that's interesting when you get around certain groups and there's no off switch yeah I, i'm not like a bit person like i guess where i'm from in michigan like you, you get called out so quick for that yeah. from the cops that thought you know and so and i it, like that yeah and sad. that's like a strength of stand-ups versus improvisers improvisers are fucking exhausting <laughs> with that exact same thing yeah. plus they don't have any ball busting that's in their like in their makeup they don't they get like offended if you start kind of fucking with them it's interesting there's a lack of violence I've noticed in, in that community yeah. in terms of like a lot of people that you know I, I see interactions that go down at parties uh, or you know you see these things and it, I'm not from like you know New Jack City but still yeah. it's like wow I can't believe you, they'll tell you a story essentially and then they tell you what they did and like, you, you, that guy didn't punch you in the face I like, know well, no no who wouldn't do that I'm like you take so much for granted. Yeah, you're <laughs> like, around uh, the wrong people. Yeah, <laughs> you're around other of your people. That, yeah, yeah. That's... Well, it always it always seems to me that um, that they're just theater kids. Yeah. And the theater kid thing, when you're nervous or anxious in a social scene, you just get louder and sing a song or something <laughs> weird. You know, like I knew those guys in high school. Yeah. They just be that way, and like that's their way of 
sort of owning the awkwardness yeah. is to be the most awkward person. Yeah. You're like uh, hilariously like as a clown. Yeah. But in the, you know, it's and, like I just asked you for a Coors Light, man. I don't need an act. Out yeah, yeah, you too. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. You don't have to fucking quote all of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I get that you like that movie. Yeah. Just relax. Yeah. I thought I fucked up. I thought I blacklisted myself when I got here. I made the, I out loud said someone asked me about Monty Python. I was like, yeah, I'm like it's one of those things I wish I liked. I'm just not yeah. into. You mm-hmm. know, same thing with Seinfeld. Like sure. I wish to God I loved it. I respect him. Amazing, whatever the show was, I'm not gonna sit down and watch it. That's just me. Yep. But you would have thought I like. Oh yeah, it was. Brutal. Oh yeah. People yeah, were just yeah. like, what? What? That's my entire life. It's yeah. Saying, <laughs> saying things like that, and then people being like, "What are you talking about? Yeah. What, what do you care about?" I didn't know that opinions could be like a weapons. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like uh, over something is like uh, almost arbitrary as a show. Yeah. But it's uh, it's a it's a weird thing, and that. It's all, and I know this too in certain in, in like all over the country like that I've seen stand up wise that the people that seem to be the ones that didn't like the jocks or maybe got picked on in high school mm-hmm. kind of start they're like the new jocks have you come across that where yeah you become what you hate oh okay that's a that's a, a human psychological trait yeah that uh, you see the you know all the way into cultural th- like large groups like people could say that about Israel the way they treat the Palestinian I mean it's like yeah. you become this thing and if you like, that's why so many stand-ups are bullies, because they were bullied, and so when they get to be this upper thing, then they bully people because they hated bullies so much so that now they are a bully. It'd somehow. be amazing if you could, like, pull apart the human genome and find out that, like, comics and cops are the same chemical makeup. They I just got yeah. shoved in lockers when they were kids. Yeah, it's, I've known a lot of comics who were cops. Wow, that's, you know? uh, I don't know, it's, that's a weird thing. I, uh, in college, I had to audit the police academy because I was a law major, oh. and so you got to see the makeup of, like, what... I'm not saying all police officers, but the ones that I was around sure. potentially. Oh, and you it's, don't have it's, to. it's it's horrifying. Yeah. It's, uh, it's like uh, guys that you know never got laid, never mm-hmm. you know interacted with people before, and it's a, it's a very much like I'm gonna come back with uh, a little bit of power and make people's lives miserable. Sure, sure. Yeah, so just kind of give a little back. Yeah, and I wonder like is that a is, that's not a conscious decision? You think that's just groupthink when people I think do so. become? Yeah, I feel like it is, but again, there might you know there's certainly smarter people that know more but that's what you see yeah when you see it happen for sure i think that maybe the moral of it is to just try not to hate anything yeah i mean have dislike you know but if you i guess if you try to see it from other people's perspective as best you can maybe you can avoid that pitfall yeah or just yeah i don't know i give a lot of people credit just for being in new york like on the lowest common denominator they're here trying you know what i mean so i have a lot of respect for anybody Mm -hmm. it's weird though when you're like I'm watching, you know, three or four hours of live comedy every single night, be it open mics or shows. That is very impressive. <laughs> so, but it's weird because people are like, oh, don't you go nuts? And sometimes, you know, you learn to mute certain things, but mm-hmm. then I try to challenge myself to like find something positive like in everybody, you know, even mm-hmm. if they're not necessarily a good comic. Yeah. Do you find yourself like, is that, are you like a, do you, are you out watching comedy or is it, no. is it, no, just, just do your own and then be out? I hate that I don't, but yeah. I, I've like, I've gotten, I've gotten to a weird place with, I don't know how I feel about comedy right now because I've just, after doing the album and doing the book and having these things out there and kind of getting to this, all I ever wanted to do was just do that. And now it's, you know, it's just, I guess I'm just in a downswing where I'm trying to, I'm trying to find more motivation to get back out there and get back on the horse or whatever and start a new, start a new hour, start a new album, start a new book. 
but I, it it's you know it's like trying to push a bike through the mud or something yeah like it doesn't ever roll on its own it only wow. rolls when you push it and there's no momentum that you seem to gain or whatever yeah you know and so i have so many other things that i pursue i'm tr- i'm testing the waters on all these other things because i'm like well maybe something gives more Maybe something will move a little bit, like either with my paintings or my illustrations or, or the carpentry or like writing or, or whatever it might be. And all these other strange interests that I have that maybe that will give me enough momentum to then do stand up in an easier way. Because I only want to do stand up. Yeah. If I ever got on a TV show, the only idea would just be, oh, well, now I can do stand up. And people will show up and go to my shows and I don't have to, you know, do the weird legwork that I'm no good at anyway. I'm no good at the, the making friends with a, a club owner or a, a booker guy that I can't mask my contempt for people very well. <laughs> okay. And so whenever I really don't like a person, I just, I won't be around. Them. Yeah. And gone. if anybody gives me a, a feeling that they don't want me around, I'm fucking gone. Wow. Like I got no interest in being in a situation where somebody doesn't want me around. I'm, I just bounce. Has that been constant or was it towards the end of the album? Like when you like, were about to release it? Was oh, it... I've always been there. Okay. I, I mean, I got like jumped by eight guys when I was like 16 or something. And that was strange. What's that? Was that in Houston? Yeah. Oh, wow. What happened with that? Oh, it was just some weird house party and shit went wrong. And I thought I was having a good time with everybody. And then all my friends ran away. And then I was the last guy there. And they beat the shit out of me and hit me with chairs and stuff. And, uh, and I didn't understand why. And I, maybe that was kind of the root of my social awkward. Yeah. But it's like, as soon as I feel like people don't want me around, I'm like, all right, I'm out of here. Take care, guys. And the idea of somebody trying to get kicked out of a bar and them arguing with the bartender about staying blows my fucking mind. <laughs> like, how could you possibly want to be somewhere where people are clearly like, you are not welcome here, we don't want you here, it's time to go. Oh, like, that's... you could, it, it freaks me out when and I see, see that And you see it every night. Yeah. It's amazing. I've kicked many people out of bars in my time bartending. Yeah. And it, every time it's the most confusing thing. It's like, why would you want to be somewhere people don't want you? It's so scary to think, because I've, I've obviously been that drunk guy before, but yeah, like, I always think like, but I know, but like when you're like, that guy thinks he's right right now. Mm-hmm. That's the scariest shit to me, like about being a human, is yeah. the fact that you can be diametrically just <laughs> the other side of right, yeah. but you're so convinced you are. Sure, well every good bad guy thinks he's the good guy. Oh, it's so fucked. And then if you think about it too, you're like, oh my God, this guy thinks he's right, but then it's like, wait, what if in this weird world, what if he is? You know? yeah. And you're like, oh man, it's like yeah. the whole thing and it's just mind boggling. It could all that. be just a simulation. Wow, yeah, I know. That's so crazy to think. <laughs> and you see people too. I don't know if it's New York or whatever though, but uh, I don't, this happened for you. It sounds like you're, you're, you don't like being around the bars anyways, but I'm naturally like a be around people type mm-hmm. type person. Mm-hmm. But uh, the more comedy I'm doing and I'm in a club every night or I'm in a bar show every single night, which is, it's my job. That's yeah. why I love it. You know what and I mean? That's a great but look at When I want to like, like, you know, dating girls or like hanging out with people, I don't want to be in a crowded bar. Like, sure. isn't it weird? Like I identify with darkly lit places where there's a booth to hide it now yeah and that didn't used to be that's like a, that's within like a year or two mm-hmm. of me just like yeah and it's not i'm okay in other places but it's just like i mean if you ask me what i want if i'm like a human yelp review i'm like fine dark light sure whiskey country music and uh, i'll just sit in a booth and yep. get drunk and yeah and fine if i'm at a bar i want that if i'm like a patron yeah if i'm working at a bar i want it to be like night at the roxbury crazy packed 
10 deep at the bar just so I can make a ton of money. Make the money? Yeah. It, it almost yeah. seems like at that level too of like, it's almost like fervor. Or it's like, it's like, uh, it's like boiling water. There's so much going on that there's mm-hmm. like an auto mute. Yeah. Because it doesn't even seem like, a video. I, you know, I haven't worked behind a bar, sure. but it seems like you're, uh, it's like one of those things where it, it's so loud, it's quiet. Yeah, you know it mean? is. It's, it's not that awkward, like, so, you know, what's up, bartender uh-huh. type thing. And they can't. There's no time. Yeah. Um, yeah, one of the bars I worked at, I worked SantaCon one time. Okay. Uh, which is, if, if, if people aren't familiar with it, it's when, like, a million people dress up like Santa Claus and go drinking. Oh, and and it's an all-day thing in Manhattan, and it's just, I think they were working to make it illegal. That sounds where dreams go to die. It's always a problem. Wow. It's like, just, it's like gremlins. Wow. They're just everywhere. Feed them water and they're just turning yeah. to shitheads. But they, I mean, they drink like maniacs. And so one time I worked a bar and it was just like a hundred Santa Clauses <laughs> and they're just all throwing up all over each other. Oh and like God. some guys just pissing on the bar, looking right at me. I was like, you can't get out, you know? And they're just, Santa? <laughs> they're just grabbing people. The bouncers are uh. grabbing Santas on each arm and just throwing them. Yeah. But I think, yeah, that, that, that must be. I think that must have something else to do with the uh, the social anxiety. Is working in the service industry yeah. for so long okay. is uh, real bad for that. I've gotten out of that. That's why I'm trying. I'm I'm doing more carpentry stuff. Yeah, and, and things like that that are. It makes me want to go out and see people and talk to people more. I noticed that because like your Instagram uh, story, whatever they call it, Instagram, yeah, Snapchat, Snapchat version Instagram thing. is amazing. Woodwork oh, wise, it's so fun to check out because like all the different woods you're working with. I appreciate. I, that. Yeah, you're welcome. It's people so have good. said a lot of positive. I things have a good it. friend, my friend Luke Westerhouse, who's like a, a woodworker, like mm-hmm. a hobbyist. But uh, I always, I'm like, yo, you gotta follow Paul. Like check his shit out, <laughs> and then he'll like screenshot you. This is kind of creepy, but yeah. it'd be like a spoon, like out of this cool wood you have. Yeah, and he'll like text me back and. He's like, that's the wood. It's uh, something crazy, whatever. Uh, Babinga, Babinga wood. Yeah, that was it. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. That's it like, looks like it's got like fire inside of it when you put the finish on. It's pretty amazing stuff. Did just and then the tools they're using with it too. Do you find that it's it's is it obviously cathartic for you then? Being Super. Yeah. Oh, it's the best. It's like it's like medicine for me. Wow. When I go there, I have to do that because then I can then I can go and chat with people. Okay. If I have, if I've just sanded for like four or five hours straight. And just isolated, working, listening to podcasts. Then I can go out and I can chat with people. But the, and that's like I don't. I I have like kind of a, a post traumatic stress thing about working in the service industry, where, and I, I if anybody's listening to this by the way, and you're thinking about coming to New York and thinking about pursuing whatever your art might be, just try to do anything but work in the food service industry and bars because okay. you burn up all your goodwill. You, you, you waste all your smiles and your chit chat on that and then you're, you're exhausted and you can't go out and, and be with friends and because you just can't spend any more of yourself. It's you know, weird how you're, you have like a finite capacity for like caring yeah. and like loving and being around things. Yeah, when, when you, you got to sit there and listen to some fucking idiot just tell you about like his dumb prowl and he's basically holding you hostage yeah you know just conversationally molesting you and you just can't do anything because you have to work for that tip yeah where it's just not it's not good for it's only supposed to be a temporary thing and people who are career service industry people that that astounds me that and you can deal it with seems it. like new york too is like that but on hyperdrive because uh-huh. i just met this girl uh she's a, a soul cycle like mm-hmm. uh, instructor which people don't know what soul cycle is you pay a bunch of money to have really good looking people like you're 
you're on a stationary bike mm-hmm. and they talk you through it. It's like this huge, it's like a cult here. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a really, it's like a big thing to do here. Yeah, you see people with But she's super on. nice and I was talking to her and uh, she was saying that she has to have a burner phone because she has to give her number to the finance guys that hit on her. Oh, wow. Because if she doesn't, they'll go to another Soul Cycle instructor for private instruction. Oh, my God. This girl's like a nice girl with a boyfriend, like a really cool person. Wow. And like their bosses, and uh, I mean, obviously they're not advocating that or telling you you have to do that. But it's just one of those things, like you said, you can't tell a guy like, hey, get the fuck away from me, drink yeah. your beer and leave because your tip's going to suffer. Yeah. And, you, and like New York is only a place where I think the ego could match where people are like, you know, I gotcha. And not like in a, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a weird place where it brings like the heads of the worst of all types of things. Yeah. Like and uh, then it throws gas on them. Oh, it makes them worse. And then if the market has a good day and there's an uptick, sure. <laughs> and then it's just like that, co- that cocaine energy. Oh, crazy. Yeah. yeah. And they're just throwing money at everybody. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's a very, uh, I've had that conversation with people before that this is a very manic depressive city. You know, it's like when you're up, you're like, I'm, everything's perfect. Yeah. It's the best place in the world. But when it's down, you're like, how do I tie a noose? <laughs> you know, I can sure, certainly Google that. It's so weird how with that, it, in, it's so stand up is cool because a lot of our like uh, like successes and failures are just in our heads. Like yeah. you can have the best set, mm-hmm. and you walk outside. Like, yeah, but then like oh, I forgot to do something. I didn't do it right. And then you're like fuck, or you listen to recording. But here it's a place where you see like New York outside of comedy. There's people that like literally made a few million dollars that afternoon. Yeah. And I, it just happened to me the other day. I was in line waiting to get like a slice of pizza, and this drunk asshole walked in, and he goes. Uh, Hey, I'll, everybody, like, I'll pay for your pizza, but I want my slice right now. <laughs> and 10 people turn around and were like, fuck you. Like, get the fuck away from yeah. me. But it's just this dude. And, like, all of a sudden, we were the assholes to this one guy who thought he was right. Because, no, yo, we're not. You know, because he sold some parent's mortgage oh, <laughs> on the market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He and, was involved in the big short. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, Christian Bale's character have to bail him out in, like, 15 years. But it's just weird because it's a place where there's instant gratification here. Yeah. Know, it's, uh, the ego is... is is out of control. What type now? Like, did you always have an interest in carpentry, or is that something you kind of got into? No, I just started doing it a few years ago. Honestly, um, my dad is a carpenter, um, and but I never learned anything from him um, on that level. I just honestly, I was like really broke, and I w- I had a new apartment that had no furniture in it, and I was just like, I need stuff, but I don't have any money to buy it. And I had like a, it was in Queens, and I had access to a driveway, and and I, I just was walking around the neighborhood, and I was looking at all these like shipping pallets that were leaning up against the walls of you know buildings and shit. I was like, well, I could probably take one of those and make something out of it. I mean, there's material. Yeah. I have some tools, and so I just started looking at YouTube videos, and then I would drag a couple of these shipping pallets back to the driveway, and I'd pull the nails out of it, and I'd clean up the lumber, and then I had free lumber to kind of work with and play with. And so I started looking at, well, how do I make a little stool or a bench? And so I'd build that, and then I built counters for my apartment, and I'd sand it all down and clean the wood and make sure that it was decent quality, and then I'd put a polyurethane coat over it so no weird chemicals or bugs could get out. And I just started doing it myself, and it was all free stuff. Yeah. And so I, I just was learning on my own. And it just was very, very relaxing because I'd sit out in the driveway all day and work. I'd acquired more tools and things like that. You just kind of slowly build a tool collection. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. And then I, w- I built like a wall in my apartment that had tools that I could like fold 
you know, so they were out of the way. And like my girlfriend wow. wouldn't trip on them or whatever. And then when I moved from that apartment, um, my my girlfriend, now fiance, she was uh, she was bartending. And she was telling her regulars, she said, you know, it's kind of sad that we moved from this place. We don't have the driveway anymore, so Paul can't, like, do his woodworking. And her, one of her regulars was like, well, I, I have a furniture-making company in the Bronx. Uh, if he wants to come work with me, he, I need help. And so I went up there, and it's this amazing shop, and we just hit it off real well. And uh, then we've been working together ever since. It's, we, an, it's amazing how the world works like It's that. crazy. Yeah. You just put it out. You try. And sort of... I. I Sometimes it just, that's the thing I was trying to explain earlier about the, about the pushing the bike through the mud deal with stand-up. That's why it, it frustrates me on such a level that I don't even know where I stand with it anymore. Because the resistance is so incredible that it feels wrong to me sometimes to be doing with my time. Whereas something like this, I just started doing it because I was interested in it. I put it out there. I've pursued it the... And, and like the world has just fallen in line yeah. to make it work. And it opens, like it's green lights. And the green lights just keep coming. And it's like, oh, well then I'll pursue, I'll go down this path because it's not telling me to fuck myself every step of the way. <laughs> Whereas a stand-up, it's constantly telling me to fuck myself. And so it's hard for me to get excited about it anymore because it... It's literally spitting on me every time I try to say, hey, how are you? And it's like, get out of here, you piece of shit. It's dressed up like like Santa. (laughs) I was just trying to make somebody laugh, and I thought maybe that would be fun. But if you don't want any of that from me, then fuck off, I guess. So I just take breaks until I get too frustrated with myself. for Because I'm kind of chemically addicted to stand-up. Yeah. And so I have to come back and do it occasionally. And it's always fun. It's always worth it. But I don't know. I guess that's a weird, long answer no, is it is it something too about like you're building things, and so when you're building things, there's like an A to B, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, there's a piece of wood, and now it's a it's amazing yeah. ornate furniture. Yeah. Okay, but with stand up, there's no fucking furniture. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's something that can be in your your best like tight five, whatever you want to say, your mm-hmm. best most tragic joke. You listen to it a month later, and you're like. It's not working anymore, and I added words that I didn't mean to, and it's yeah. fucked up. Yeah, it is cool like that, and then it's always liquid. To me, to me, stand-up is kind of like working with oil paints. Like, it right. just, it, you can always kind of keep manipulating it, or even like a clay that never dries all the way. Okay. Like, it's always being shaped, and then you have to make the call when it's time to basically cut it off record it and then go away you know yeah like throw it away that was why why i decided to do that album it's because i had i had done hours of time and it's not hard for me because i do a long style okay so i've had long pieces that have hit well but i just stopped doing them after a while because they they ripen and then they rot and they're done and so you have to say goodbye to them but i i want to get in the habit of now recording things so that they're at least there, yeah, somewhere people can enjoy them that didn't hear them. So yeah, I, I love I love the constant craftsmanship of of working on jokes, but it can get overworked at a certain point. 
you know that's the weird educated balance that you have to strike with it I think and like I'm still a newer comic so I haven't put out anything in terms of that mm-hmm. but like is it so you you put it out and you essentially put your hour out and then you have to people know you start over you're scratch boom right away I think that's a good way to do it is I, that I certainly don't think it's the only way yeah but I think that's the most challenging uh, and self-disciplined way to do it I think you have to have some of it that you retain, at least if you're working as a comedian, if that's how you make your living. Yeah. It's very hard to do that completely because well, you gotta still go on the road. Yeah, you, you need know? like a major TV. They really have to have yeah. like an affection for you outside of your ability. If you're just like, listen, I know that shit's funny, but you paid $40. Listen to my new shit. Exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. Like Louis can get away with yeah. it. Yeah. But somebody on our level, if we're, you know, they're letting us work Basically, at the comedy yeah. club. They don't want us to work. They, just, <laughs> they, they, it, they were us, you know. It's like that was a comic who couldn't do it, so he opened a comedy club. Now he's mad at every comic. That's or, that's really interesting. I never thought about that way. There's like let and wants. Like they, it's so especially me being like a fucking nobody. Yeah. Like it's like let they let me essentially, and if I yeah. get money, oh thank you so much. This yeah. Is awesome. Yeah. Well, that's the thing that that a lot of the uh, uh, comics that have been doing it a long time, myself included. Will will have this weird, like constant argument in their head. They're like, you know, I, I always I always do well, and and I go up on stage and I crush. It's like, why aren't more people inviting? You know, excited to have me on their show or whatever. And it's like, well, that's you're supposed to crush. Every time. <laughs> that's the default. You are doing the job. It's not. <laughs> It's not like you're special because you did the job. Yeah. You you have to now build a following and get people into the club on your own accord. That's not even their. They don't even look at that as their responsibility. Like they, when they have to paper the room, they're like, "Ugh, we gotta help this guy." It's like they of course want like famous people. They will always be yeah. better than you. It's amazing to them from like a standpoint. Like I'm a person that likes social media, obviously. Though, mm-hmm. but it's so funny when people are like. Uh, they'll be like, uh, do you do, you'll ask to talk to a comic, he's like, oh yeah, they'll say like two things in New York that blow my mind. One, oh, I've never been asked to do that show. And you're like, yeah. what the fuck? Who do you think would ask you to I've do it? I've seen the show? highest level comics like text my friends that are running shows to ask if they could do a spot. Yeah. Like, who the fuck are you? Yeah. And then the second thing too is like the social media thing in terms of like putting things out there when they're like, oh, I don't really do that. How else can you increase your draw? Exactly. There's no way else to do it. And the draw is all they care about. Yeah, and things like this, um, uh, doing a podcast. Yeah. I think this is one of the only like compromises that you can kind of, you can do it on your own. You can make it what you want it to be, and you're going to be garnering the attention of the people that you want to be at your shows. Yeah. So you, this is super smart. I've been batting around the idea of doing a podcast for a long time because this is a slow burn. It takes a while to get a following, but the following that you get are the people that like you for you. Yeah. You know, it's like in two years or however long it takes to, to get like a huge amount of people listening to this show, which I really hope that you stick with it. Yeah. You should. We're not going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. This is great. When you start getting a return on that investment, it's going to be quality people that like you for you. They're not gonna show up and be like, you, you didn't, you're not a puppet comic? Yeah. It's like they, they know exactly who you are, what you do, and they wanna see it. They're your fans, this yeah. is how you find fans. I think it's 
battle fans find you yeah well it's weird because like i had to have like a battle with myself because like i'm coming from like a skateboarding background mm-hmm. so like i'm always pushing a product you know what i mean in terms mm-hmm. of like there's something like there's a an animate object where i can be hyped on because my friend started this company and i can push it yeah where stand up it's me yeah and it's like really weird but i just had this battle with myself right before i started this and i'm like dude if i'm gonna do anything with this i have to just let that go yep and if fucking people like me great they want to follow me thank you so much but if yeah. not like fuck off like I, i'm not gonna have those conversations like oh i saw you snap so i just this it's, is my business. Yeah, you know? it's a hard thing to deal with. It's so weird. And I'm not saying I'm like, I made a, 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 like a leap, like I'm there yet. But I mean, I definitely have it. But it goes so far as now, I try not to even be around the negative things at all, if possible. It's a good thing. It's, uh, I, yeah, I, 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 I definitely think that's the right way to go. And uh, real quick, because I got to get you out of here soon. I know we're all busy nights here. But mm-hmm. uh, this is something that I originally started this when I dealt with comics. I always wanted to ask questions mm-hmm. that were like based upon me being like a newer comic. Like sure. I think of conversations with people I first started out with. Like, so do you have any advice for what you would tell someone that's like just fresh into doing their open mics? Any advice at all you give to new people that is other than like more stage time? Is there anything mm-hmm. else? You um, I... I w- mm-hmm. It's kind of, I'm a bad guy to ask things like this too because I have a very like cynical perspective on shit. Fired up. I'm trying to get better about it. But I think that um, put at least as much energy into being friends with people as you do to writing and performing stand-up comedy. Wow. Like at least as much, if not more so. Because I think just from what I've observed, that is more important to be like just generally everybody's buddy yeah and 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 a good person to be around and a quality stand-up individual that everybody is like happy to see walk through the door because if you're not you're just fucked yeah well you can be the most amazing comic but if you're a dick who cares yeah Yeah. and even if you get success for a little while it's going to be a flash in the pan yeah eventually because I mean, you know, look at somebody like Chevy Chase. People fucking hate that guy, and he's like one of the most successful comedic talent, yeah. you know. But it's wow. like people—they had to. I think he was the first guy that started changing the Comedy Central roasts to where there were strangers roasting them because they couldn't find any friends. Wow! Like that, I, I believe, and I'm—I could be wrong, but I think that was when it shifted from being all their buddies making fun of them yeah. to just a hired group of comics. I always wondered that. Yeah, it's interesting because you watch the old like Don Rickles ones. It's mm-hmm. all like Sinatra's buddies just yeah. tearing into him. But now Which it's is like fun. And it's amazing. With this, it's like you're really like, is that, do they know each other? It's yeah. Kind of mean. You're, you're hiring like a professional mean guy like Tony Hinchcliffe. Which, yeah. Shout out to Tony Hinchcliffe for being awesome sure. and putting me on Kill Tony. But that, uh, That's fun. That, uh, yeah, bombed so bad. <laughs> the panel was fun. That's part But uh, I got shook. I full on like blew it. I had like, you get a one minute, it was packed out main room at Comedy Store. Oh, nice. And it just, it was like one of those outer body experiences where I could see just gasoline on fire. Yep. Have you had those before? Oh yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. I've almost gotten into several like fist fights because of shit wow. like that. Just crazy stuff. Yeah. I, could, I couldn't breathe. Like yeah. my breathing was off, the joke just sucked and it's a good joke. Yeah. It's a good story. You joke feel like it. somebody just kicked the shit out of you for like Yeah, that. and yeah. you like lose sleep, but then like the panel went cool and I started roasting people because it comes natural to me and that was really fun. That's good. But then even afterwards, I was just like, fuck, like you're, it's amazing how you can feel so good about yourself and then just eat a bag of giant dicks yeah. and just done. But that's the type of thing that makes you stronger. You know, it's like you're exercising, it's like breaking down muscle and then you build it stronger. Yeah. Except with this, they literally dip you in boiling oil and then you come back out and then your skin is a little thicker when it regrows and for, unfortunately you lose part of your soul. But whatever, <laughs> it's, it's comedy. Um, it's, it's comedy, it's yeah. fun. But yeah, just keep, I mean, 
don't listen to too much advice, I think would be the best advice. Okay. And just follow what you think is the right way to go. And and on like as as much as you can be just creating constantly, moving and and you know, like doing sticking with it. Because the thing is is so many people that you know are going to rise and others are going to wash out. A lot of what it is is just sticking it out. You know? Because I get opportunities all the time that are just like, just from being around for yeah. a while. And wow. then when other people leave or go to LA, then you bump up a rank. So you just kind of, it's, it's a bit of an endurance thing. Yeah. Where you just here. sort of keep standing on that fight club porch and eventually you'll get in. <laughs> Brad Pitt walks out in furry robe and next thing you know you're inside. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's and awesome. It wasn't even as good as he thought it was going to be. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck did I, what am I here for? Yeah. Got Is it, uh, so, okay, so we're going to wrap this up, but uh, real quick, tell everyone uh, where they can get your book. Oh, it's only available on my website right now. Okay. So my book and album are there. It's I guess my, my album's on Bandcamp, but it's not public. So it's just my website, my name, paulodo.com. Okay, that's and, O-D-D-O. And yeah. then, because I, I went on Amazon, it's on there but it's this limited edition limited I, out of print i don't even know how that happened wow you're just you're like a hot pair of nike shoes you it's super weird out. i yeah. mean i guess that makes it like exclusive I so cool but i don't i literally don't know how that happened and the title of your book what's that oh it's called nothing too fancy nice. it says not it, it, it they fucked up on amazon i mean no that it says not too fancy yeah may, whoever whatever yeah. weird mystery uh person did that yeah. i don't know but whatever i guess yeah it's like not a bad problem to have but yeah. I, I was looking i was like oh yeah it's all about this and then real quick where can they find you on uh, social media oh it's just my name for the most part okay. it's just the same thing i'm paul Odo at twitter and then i'm paul Odo on instagram and then i have an art account which is also paul Odo art on Instagram, so that's where I post all my my drawings and things cool. like that. Anything else upcoming you want to push? Um, I don't think so right now. I'm just gonna try to be doing more. I'm sure I'm forgetting something. Yeah. But yeah, if if and when I do remember it, it'll be on Twitter. Yeah, and, and we'll all that link stuff. the Twitter and everything on the webpage for this, and we'll put it on all the posts too, where you can find the social media stuff. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for coming out here. And again, this has been another episode of Max White Presents. Uh, find me at this is Max White. All things social media at thisismaxwhite.com. Thanks so much, Paul. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. Max White, everyone. See something funny. It wasn't funny! I guess I'll just call it Max White Presents. I guess it's decent. Yeah, Max White Presents will work. <laughs>